Cross Choke, a podcast from the Fight Life Ministries, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to tflministries.com. Welcome to Cross Choke, a TFL podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Anderson. Each week, I'm joined by the one and only Dakota Rytan. We have combined experience in MMA, music, ministry, and food. We hope we add value to your day. Now, enjoy the show. Doing good, man. How good, you good. Me too. <laughs> I'm still waking up, though. How's that coffee? Uh, dude, it's spectacular. Hazelnut. You know, you always need a little hazelnut in your life. Mine's cinnamon. It's my ex-girlfriend, old hazelnut. <laughs> Mine's cinnamon. Uh, welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Cross Choke, a TFL Ministries podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Anderson. I'm joined, like always, with the dashing... Dakota Wrightan. Ah, thank you. Happy to be here. We are also joined by the most motivated man in the solar system. Oh, wow. Bogey Valdez. That's right. <laughs> Is that how they intro you on fights? They should. I don't fight. Oh, if they did. <laughs> if they did. Yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely the most motivated in Montana at this point. I don't know, the solar system. Yeah, he's shooting for the solar system, yeah. then like the galaxy, and then moving on like to the universe. Exactly. It's like, like universe it. domination. Is I got to work little by little. Yeah. So. I got to so say, one adjective, if I wanted to be called, would be motivated. That's, that's motivated. pretty good. Yeah, if you had like a divine, a divine, defining attribute. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm finding, um, I'm finding through jujitsu, I feel more that motivation obviously is key, but discipline is, I would say, more important. Motivation, motivation gets me there gets me moving things like that but discipline really gets me there when I don't want to be there yeah not motivation there's days I'm not mm. motivated mm. And oh I, and I and I still go train because of the discipline oh, or, wow. the, or the habit right right of course um, so I'm starting to learn more that you can't just have only motivation that's just a feeling you know you have to have the action that follows it obviously for me the big one is discipline but that's for me and my what I'm going through. Ooh, that's mm. truth right there. Oh man, yeah, that's definitely true because you can't have one without the without the other. Yeah. You know, there's definitely days I'm not motivated. Yeah. But you know you still need to grind and get mm. up and, yeah. and do it to it. That's good. Well, bro, we are so honored to have you with us today. Thank you. Uh great I'm honored friend. to be with you guys. That's right, yeah. Great friend. Um you know, great man and very uh, influential man. Uh you know, you have a a great voice, whether it be through the CrossFit industry, uh, life coach, you know, you help a lot of people. Um, you're a great steward of social media as well. Um, just a great, great man. So we're honored to have you. Thank you. We're glad us. to be here with you guys. 
I think we're just gonna skip right ahead and just rock and roll. Let's we're gonna, go. We're gonna make the most of Bogey's time. We don't yeah. need we don't need no fluff today. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Let's do it. We only need one sound bite, and you know what it is? Undisputed. Balance. So Dakota, we have been in a series that we started last week uh, yep. on balance. So last episode we started a three-part series on balance. We talked about physical balance, things like nutrition, uh, general health, weight loss, exercise, nutrition. Would have been a great episode to have Bogey on, actually. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, and some of the takeaways in finding physical balance, because a lot of us feel like we're not balanced there. So some of the takeaways that we had were to use common sense, yep. take complete ownership, plan ahead, be flexible, and get plenty of rest. Yes. And so I'm pretty sure all of us can take away something on that list. And my favorite one is to take complete ownership. You know, everything is your fault. You know, if you treat it like that, <laughs> like it's nobody else. You don't have no excuse. Yeah. And so feel free to listen to last week's episode or read a summary on our blog at tflministries.com. So we plan on talking about balancing time today, Bogey. But with recent events in the U.S. and around the world, we thought best to change our topic to fit our current reality a little bit better. And being joined by you, uh, I think we'll be able to give a lot of great value uh, today. And so if you haven't heard, you've been under a rock, but if you haven't heard, on May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, died in Minneapolis, Minnesota after Derek Chauvin, I believe is how you say his last name. I think so. Uh, a white police officer knelt on Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes with Floyd being handcuffed underneath him face down in the street. And so since then, absolute chaos has erupted across the U.S., major cities, rioting, looting, targeting and killing of police officers, protests, outrage on social media, all in the name of justice and as a stand against racism. What are your thoughts on this? Woo. Loaded. My thoughts. First, when you said across the U.S., I thought, hmm, have, have we experienced this at all in Montana? Yes. Where at? I saw that video of this person in Missoula. Oh, gosh, I saw that. <laughs> Not to laugh, but it was really weird. <laughs> have you seen that one, no. Bogey? It made They're me proud protesting. to be from Montana. I'm just kidding. A single protester, probably. It was like it was. an it was like an Antifa girl, and she was like shouting in the face of this kid decked out in Trump gear, mm. and it was like, wow, it's like a match made in heaven. It's just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if Missoula has this kind of reputation for being granola hippies, you know, and if you're from Missoula, that's great. You know, if that's you. But this 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 girl kind of defined that and was just <laughs> screaming in this guy's face. I'm not sure if it was connected to George Floyd or something, but anyways, I think the the ramifications, the the ripple effect, is definitely hitting us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. What are what are some other thoughts on this? I mean, I'd first like to start by saying God bless uh, George Floyd. Rest in peace. Yeah. God bless his family, and God bless everybody who is uh, suffering from that. And, uh, sure. you know, obviously my prayers go out to uh, anybody out there who is uh, feeling any kind of emotion from this. God bless our police officers as well. They're put in a precarious situation. I'm seeing a lot of police agencies around the country that um, 
are in support of, you know, the the cause and the protests and yeah, are against the actions of this one officer. And um, you know, just want to start off by saying that rest in peace, Mr. George Floyd. Um, as far as you know, what you mentioned about Missoula, you know, people up there, it reminds me of when I first moved out here and I started getting involved in uh, hunting. You know, I'm from Salt Lake City. I moved here from San Diego, from Pacific Beach, San Diego, which is oh, wow. nothing like Butte. Right? <laughs> PB is a, yeah, PB's a, a popping party area of San Diego, right? And uh, so culturally, it was very different for me when we moved here. And uh, so I started learning about hunting uh, a lot because it, it, it interests me a lot. And um, from that, I started I started learning about the issue with the wolves out here and how the how people dispute the scenario of wolves some people think that we should kill a wolf the moment we see it because it's yeah. harming the herds of elk it's uh coming on people's ranches killing their uh, cows and uh you know messing up their their business and their yeah. livelihood and there's others that say well hey these are animals these are nature we did this by introducing them blah 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 right and there's that argument and i remember talking to a friend of mine who's from LA about this from Hollywood and he had a lot of opinions about it. Huh. So many opinions about it. <laughs> How can they do this? How can they do that? And then he would go back and forth. Well, I guess I get it. Maybe if I was a rancher and this I'm not sure the wolf. and he had all these opinions and guess what? He's never been to Montana yeah. ever in his life. He's never lived on a ranch. He's never even seen a wolf. Yeah. He's never hunted never been outdoors he does not understand the culture here so i remember asking him how could you have an opinion mm. about this culture right and the you know we're friends the conversation to, sorry at the mic the conversation's not going to go in an argument with him and i but the point was we are only creating an opinion based on thought yeah. based on information given us through media and then us formulating an opinion which is really just an idea and that's not based on any sort of experience. Yeah. If you speak to a rancher out here, he can tell you stories and tell you what has happened to him, what's happened to people he knows, right? If you talk to a wildlife biologist, they can tell you more facts about this is what's going on with this scenario. This is why people are divided in this situation. So I often wonder if we should take the same responsibility that we ask others around the country when they think about Montana. Sure. We should take that same responsibility here. I can't make a comment on what's happening on the streets of Minneapolis other than what I see on the internet and a right. formulation I can create right then and there based on my life experiences. Right. It will be an opinion, no matter what. And we all have that right. We should have opinion, mm -hmm. but we should also understand we're not there we've never been there therefore it's just an opinion yeah it's not a way that we should live or anything beyond yeah, that other sure. than just a thought so when i see these things i always wonder especially say someone protesting in missoula um what is your background what is your experience in this mm. did you just get influenced from the internet and that's okay too yeah right just like you've influenced me through reading or i'm sorry through your podcast to be more present with god right there's positive things we can be influenced on the internet, but there's also other ways we can be influenced on the yep. internet. We can be influenced to hate each other and to fight right. and to uh, think that just because somebody wears a certain president's clothing that they're racist or immediately, or just because somebody is protesting against police brutality that they hate America, right? Yeah. 
when in reality, each of those people have their own life experiences and their own influences and their own intentions. And my biggest thing that I've taken away in the last five years of owning a business is two things. And that is people's interpretations of what others say and the intention that that person meant. Yeah. And if I say something and you misinterpret it, that is now taken away from my intention. But it could have fallen on my mouth in the beginning. Maybe I should have said it a different way. So it's really about breaking it down and asking people, what did you intend when you did this? Did you intend to hurt me? Did you intend to influence me in a positive way? How did I interpret that? Did I even interpret it in the way you wanted it interpreted? Right? Yeah. And it's always about intent interpretation. And I feel like if people would be able to have conversations um, like this, right, where it's not maybe where you trust the environment, you're not going to get set up to try to bait each other in these, yeah. in these topics because they're very sensitive topics. Then I think people would find that they agree on more things than they disagree and that they want the same thing, which is freedom and love. You know, that's, yeah. that's just my thoughts on, um, that those are not my thoughts on what's going on in America. Those are my <laughs> thoughts on what you guys mm-hmm. just said yeah. about thinking about local people, thinking about our respo- yeah. our social responsibility to think about others right. in other parts of the world. We don't know what's going on in a small neighborhood in Afghanistan. Right. But we all have opinions about how the U.S. military should respond. Right. So I think we should always take a look at what's what's the deeper connection here with people and yeah. how can we connect with people on a deeper level to get their perspective, even if it's not our perspective, mm-hmm. just to have conversations, just like you have had with me. That's right. And I think you, you hit something really important about formulating an opinion. Yeah. Because with something we have in common, definitely right now in the culture and this day and age, I believe, is internet. Mm-hmm. You know, something, yeah. something can spread faster than the coronavirus. You know, and I think <laughs> this thing did. Yes. You know, and everybody was so eager to hop on board without true facts. Yeah. And that's something that I kind of wanted to talk about, too, is because it's almost as if something is missing from people that they're so eager to put their hat in to a movement or to an agenda. They want to take sides immediately. Just to be a part of it. Yes. You know, and I... what. We can maybe kind of talk about that. What is that underlying human nature desire, you know, I guess almost for something more, hmm. you know, but I would almost say the, that people are so lonely, you know, from all the way from like the television being invented, you could even just trace that just like our cultural trends and where we're sure. going. But if you look at the television being invented, or I think it got really big after World War II, like the 50s. But, I mean, then from internet to, you know, phones coming out, I mean, you could put a ton more things in there. Yeah. But it's almost as if our culture has slowly been getting more and more isolated. Like, technology has connected the world more than ever, mm-hmm. but yet isolated a person. Yeah, sure. So, it's like there's this underlying insecurity of loneliness in people. Yeah. You know, so whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's, you know, a big thing was also the impeachment trials that went on. Uh, I mean, you can just kind of fill in the blank. It seamlessly goes from one thing to another. Now it's yeah. this, you know, justice for George George Floyd, which again we stand against br- uh, police brutality, uh, racism, all those things. But it's like 
it's blown up into something I don't think is quite necessary. Yeah. Just because I feel like people are so in, you know, on something that they don't even know anything about. Yeah. And I feel like that could be said about the church even. You know, sometimes that could be said about anything. Yeah. But Bogey, you hit on something super important is be informed. Know your facts. Be secure in yourself. I I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, there, there are people in the world who are... Uh, I guess, lonely, uninformed, and their only information is coming from their phone. And who knows yeah. where that information is coming from? Right. Are they legitimate sources? Are they scientific journals? Or are they Instagram posts? Right? Who knows what the spectrum can be? Um, and yeah, there are people who are to that point easily influenced by the internet. Mm, easily right. influenced. I know so much about running Facebook ads that I also started learning about how people will run uh, Facebook and Instagram camp social media campaigns to influence masses of people to fight am among each other. That's also a real thing, yeah. right? There's groups out there who would who will organize a right wing, uh, pro not protest but say a, a group gathering and then yeah. say another opposite group gathering in the same location just to try to get them to fight among each other. Yeah. Right. So there are people who are easily manipulating and influencing others to create these uh, violent situations Yeah. because the internet is a, it is a thing that's allowing people to easily influence people like Zach just mentioned. Yeah. Um, at the same time though, I also think it's important to uh, not generalize the entire right. thing. Sure. Clips we see on our phone, the news, right. Um, I'm taking those moment by moment. I'm watching moments and yeah. thinking, okay, I was a police officer. If I was a police officer and this was happening right in front of me, I would respond this way. I've also been very angry about the justice system. If I were in this situation, I understand this person's actions. I don't condone it. And I would stop this person if I were. Sure. But I also understand the level of, um, the level of, distrust that people can have for an entity for a system for yeah. a symbol even if that entity system or symbol also shouldn't be generalized mm -hmm. right? sure one police officer doesn't generalize all police officers one act at a protest of one act of violence or looting or criminal activity should not represent that entire movement either right? sure you know there's all kinds of conversations about who's doing what right Who's actually breaking into these buildings? Who's looting? There's, there's this argument about it. There's speculation of people saying, oh, these people are planted. There's paid protesters. All of these things can be true. Mm -hmm. But when you have thousands of humans in one, one right. gathering, you're going to have hundreds of scenarios. Yep, that and hundreds not, of motives. Too. Yes, exactly. And they don't represent one thing. And, um, you know, I just... That, oh, I'm sorry. That was kind of my uh, answer to that last question. No, that's good. <laughs> I don't want to keep rambling. But, um, you know, if we're on the topic of police, you know, just so people know, I was a police officer in Salt Lake City for just under eight years, right? Huh? Um, I worked patrol the entire time, and I did a lot of different special assignments from time to time from working as an undercover police officer, purchasing drugs, selling drugs, as an undercover um, officer working vice, which is... Um, you know, sex crimes, so prostitution, and all those are interconnected. Yeah. So I've had experiences doing that. I've also had experiences on what we would call car prowl operations, where we would wait for people who are breaking into cars at nightclubs. And we did so many for so long that, um, you know, they wanted to, not wanted to, they basically said, you guys are pretty much our department experts on vehicle prowls at this point because you've done this many cases. Hmm. Um, 
those are just the special groups I've been. I'm only saying that just so we understand a little background that I have when it comes to working sure. with people in that element as a police officer. And this is in a major city, right? And anytime I think about police work, I think about the story of um, of the badge, of the, why they call it a shield. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you guys know that story or not, but... It was told to us once in the academy, but I, I always had these questions about this story, and I'll tell it to you. And maybe if you could picture yourself, um, you know, living in a time where we lived in a kingdom and we had knights that protected our kingdom. Uh-huh. And this king, there was obviously a king there, you know, he had his people that protected his village, and these knights carried these shields, and the shields would have the symbol of their kingdom on the shield. And these knights would show that shield anytime they had to protect the people and say, this is who we are. This is who we represent and we protect these people, right? These are our people and this shield is our logo. It was like their gang sign, right? This sure. is who it is. This mm-hmm. is who we represent. Right. Stay away, right? Yeah. And I remember hearing that story feeling very proud, prideful, like, oh, okay, there's a history of service, of protection, right? But then later I thought to myself, okay, what happened when that king died? Did they bring in another king? And was that king from a different city? Did that king not live in this kingdom? And then did that king start saying, the knights we're going to hire, let's hire my cousin and my buddy and his buddies who live (laughs) hours away. They don't live here either. Sure. Right? And now let's also allow other knights who protect other parts, let's let them come over here and collect money from our people as well. Right? So as time goes by, I ask myself, where is the vested interest in community sure. from the knights, from the police officers? When I was a police officer, I'm from Glendale, Salt Lake City, lived in Rose Park. That's the west side. That's the hood of Salt Lake City, right? Um, I would go into work, and I would be the only one who is working that neighborhood who knew anything about that neighborhood, who went to school in that neighborhood, who knew people in that neighborhood, yeah. right? That's why I like Butte cops, because most of them, the majority, are from Butte. Right. You go on a call in Butte, you have a vested interest in yep. this person, because you, even if you don't know that person, the police officer probably knows your family, probably knows your dad, your aunt, sure. someone. There's a vested interest, and I had that interest in my community when I would respond on calls. I knew that somehow, some way, someone in this house knew my father. I knew it. Sure. Or you have a nephew or someone my age who I went to school with. Yeah. Right? I had a vested interest in that community. I loved the people of that community. And you cannot protect that which you do not love. That's true. And when you have police officers, this is just my opinion about my experiences as a police officer at this agency. Right? I just want to get make that clear. I'm not speaking generalizing police. I'm giving my opinion about what I witnessed in my agency. Sure. And what I witnessed is police officers who would come in from other parts of the state into, they would drive into Salt Lake City or the hood every night. And that would give them this feeling of, I'm going into war and now I'm retracting and going back home, right? And now they have zero interest in the people or the community that they're serving. I don't even want to call it serving, that they're working in, right? They're law enforcement. They're not peace officers. Yeah. These are the people I worked with. Again, I'm not speaking. My, my, I have uh, two uncles that are LAPD police officers. They were there during the Rodney King riots. They're there today. Sure. Um, what, you know, One of them would agree with what I'm saying. One right now <laughs> would be telling me some other stuff, I'm sure. sure, right? 
And um, but my whole point is, at what point, at what point are people no longer going to be interested in that community and yeah. in those people if they're yeah. no longer from that kingdom? If they're driving in, or if we if we allow other knights to come into our area to to harass our people, right? There's a certain way that we should take an approach with people as police officers, and that's yeah. with love. That's always the answer. Love is always the answer for any of this, but. If we don't understand that, sure. then maybe we maybe we shouldn't be in this position. And again, that's just. But was that like policy taught to you, like when you went to the police academy, of like assume innocence first? Well, you have to, just like our justice system has to. You you yeah. you, you must prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt in a criminal uh, setting, even though that's not held my experience that is not a true thing in my experience however that is the 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 theory behind it it is worse to put an innocent man in jail than to let a guilty man go free right right so you must approach people okay with that innocence right and you must but no they don't teach you that they do teach you the difference in you know i can't detain you because of this i can't arrest you until a probable cause so things like that so we as we're approaching people, there's always another conversation going on in your head of, am I following the law? Am I following the co- their constitutional rights? Am sure. I following policy? Generally, policy trumps all of that to most people I work with. Which is almost unfortunate, in my opinion, because Absolutely. because you're putting a policy or like yes. a, a regime ahead of like someone else's life. Yeah. And so the unfortunate thing that I've seen is a lot of um, uh, like agencies <clears throat> have promoted cops to just follow like those rules instead of putting like those attributes first like peace and and assuming someone's innocence first yeah and they're protecting their entity as an agency yeah they're protecting the police department instead of the policy instead of the city yeah and there should be policies that protect any business sure right and i'll call it a business because most are fall under corporations it's true right um if we are creating policy that now violates someone's, um, I don't even like saying civil rights. I, I like sure. saying human rights because I feel these are rights that all, we should have no matter where you live in the sure. world. But I feel like if this policy is violating someone's rights as a human, you know, then that, that's where we get problems with police officers, yeah. you know, and that's where you see, I, I know plenty of cops that will run into a building, a burning building immediately yeah, and have zero fear of getting hurt. They'll run into a building with men shooting and they'll run in there to save lives with zero fear. But you know what they're afraid of? Their own police department. Right. And that's the unfortunate thing. Like things that bother me, for instance, when you first said the badge, I thought of like the code for the Montana state highway patrol. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about its history in high school, it's bothered me ever since Really, because they have the same number three, seven, seven, (laughs) seven, or 3-7-77 that dates all the way back to early 1900s of this group of people that were hired to lynch people around mm-hmm. Montana. And it like it bothers me that they haven't changed that code. Yeah. And it almost creates like and even if it isn't this way, but it creates this idea in my mind that they're still teaching racist policies to cops. Yeah. Well, we could touch on that too, you know. I mean, obviously I want to stick to you know what Zach's asking, but um, well, um, I kind of want to stay on track with what I was talking about because it, it, it'll lead right into what sure. Dakota just mentioned. But, um, 
my, my idea behind this, again, these are based on my personal experiences being from these neighborhoods, working personally in these neighborhoods, seeing people from my neighborhoods being killed by the police, yeah. right? Being killed by people I work with who aren't from these neighborhoods who have zero care, zero care, right? Um, so I used to just ask myself, why are there people coming in from other areas as, sure. if, as if we're flying in to go to battle and then leave the battlefield and go home where we're quote unquote safe, right? Where I'm calling off work I'm still in that neighborhood. I got pulled over one time in my police uniform going home after I just got off because, oh, you know, that we. You, what did they tell me? They said, uh, <laughs> they, speeding boat? no, no, they said, they said, uh, your window, your windows were too dark or something like that, which I did have dark tinted windows on the back. The front ones were clearly legal. But again, it's like, okay, well, you see who I am now. Now mm. it's time to go. But um, that's kind of what I'm getting at with the history of that. And the symbol, the symbology of the shield should be that of a officer of the peace. Yeah. Not one who enforces a law. That's why I don't like law enforcement mm. officer. I'm a certified peace officer. Never yeah. once did my certification say law enforcement officer. It said peace officer. Someone who um, enforces peace among each other. I shouldn't even say enforces peace, but promotes <laughs> peace. No, right? sure. It's like you'll sure. be nice to each other. <laughs> you better cut else. that out right yeah. now. You know, when it comes to... Um, policies you know that's kind of what i was um i was talking to somebody the other day about systematic ra- uh, systemized racism or what other people would call systemic racism yeah which are policies laws things that were created a long time ago that still affect people today sure it affects people's opportunities affects people um by law things like that so there's obviously jim crow laws which came out in the 1800s which created a lot of segregation um just among brown and black people for example you can't sit here in this restaurant you can't drink from this sure. you sit in these certain places this restaurant. yeah and even the term jim crow comes from uh, a racist song that was uh written during the 1800s about um it, it just it was just a racist song okay move on from there <laughs> there so these are laws that were in place all the way up until the mid 1900s right um Redlining is a big thing, and where our schools get funding from is a major thing. Sure. A major thing that I've paid attention to for the longest time, um, because when I was a young a young boy, my dad was a public defender, right, an attorney, and he later became the first Hispanic judge in Utah, and he became a juvenile court judge. So he um, was, in my opinion, is a community leader, civil rights activist and a savior of children. Most of his cases were not delinquent children, but they were neglected children, right? So he was involved in a lot of removal of children and placing them in different, uh, better environments (coughs) while rehabilitating the families as well. Right. And um, when my dad was a little boy, when he was, he had two sisters and a brother. They were very poor. They didn't have a father. And when my dad was eight years old, he was selling newspapers on the street to survive and he would give his mom money right and he'd probably make you know two bucks a day maybe i think is the story i don't remember but you know this is back in the 1950s and eventually he met a older man older man named jack keller and jack keller worked at a local printing press and i think that's kind of how they had the connection because my dad would buy newspapers and actually no the story is my dad would try to sell him a newspaper and he never bought one because he had access to his own i think right Mm -hmm. eventually jack 
as my dad was a young boy, Jack took my dad under his wing and taught him how to play tennis and, uh, you know, help their family a lot. And as years went by, my dad later went to college, um, became an attorney, joined the army, was a JAG attorney. Years later, when I'm a young, you know, I'm probably 12, 11 at the time, my dad became a judge, right? So I got to see my dad go from a struggling, uh, a struggling um, defense attorney that works for the state, and he moved us out of the neighborhood we lived in into the neighborhood which he grew up in, which was the west side. But when I was young, one day we're in a Smith's grocery store, which is like Safeway. Right? Yeah. And I'm probably 13, 14. I'm probably 14 at the time. And it's late at night. You know, it's probably, I remember it was nighttime. We're walking out. And there's two police officers um, talking. Okay. And I use that word very kindly. Talking to an old, old man who looks homeless. And, you know, I think the store called the cops. So, yeah, there's this homeless guy in our place, right? And we're walking out. And my dad looks and he says, Jack? And it was Jack Keller. It was the guy who helped and saved my dad. Wow. Right? Because of this guy, my dad was able to um, learn a different environment of life other than the ghetto he lived in. Right? He was exposed to tennis and exposed to country clubs and meet different kinds of people. Right? Sure. The exposure of different cultures and different environments is what gave my dad opportunity to go to college and later become a judge. And when my dad found Jack, and I'm standing there with my dad, the police officers, one of them was like, you need to back up. The other one knew who my dad was. Says, "Hey, that's Judge Valdez," and Jack Keller's going through um, his first stages of early onset Alzheimer's and oh, suffering from bad dementia. And from then on, my dad—that's a whole story in itself. That's uh, actually that's accounted. My dad has a book where that whole story is uh, told. That wow. book is called "No One Makes It Alone" by Andrew Valdez. And I'm telling you that story because that sets the path for me. Service because my dad took care of him from that moment on until the day Jack died. My dad, that night we drove to Jack's house because he didn't have any money. My dad was like, I need to see what's going on. And I remember this house was a, a mess. It was one yeah. of, even as a police officer to this day, that still it was one of the messiest homes I've been in, right? And I think the, the following, like three days later, was Thanksgiving and my dad had him come over. And, you know, I remember as a young little boy thinking, this is weird. Who is this guy? I've heard these sure. stories, but this is him. And my dad took care of him up until the day he died. Uh, had him in a home, you know, paid, paid, paid his rent over there, obviously, and had him over all the time. And I remember thinking, if I had never, later in life, thinking to myself, if I had never experienced that, I would have had a different understanding of who this person was that helped my dad. Sure. And this set the path. For service, I've always knew service was important because my family pushed it. But to see the full circle, this person saved my dad's life, according to my dad. And in the end, my dad is the one who ended up taking care of this person. Sure. Right? So that set that path for me um, when it comes to service for others. And that's why I'm so passionate about these conversations. I'm so passionate about my experience as a police officer because I witnessed things that aren't what people expect and sure. aren't what people know about. And people get upset when they hear these stories, but these are stories. I'm not, notice I haven't given you, I've maybe given you one small opinion, but the rest of these are stories. Sure. Things that have happened to me or to others I know. And going back to what I was just talking about, systemic racism, right? Thinking about 
when my dad had an opportunity to move us from one horrible neighborhood to the hood now, <laughs> which some people thought was crazy, right? We moved from one hood to the other, but the first one was much worse. My dad basically was getting us out of an area that he knew we couldn't go to a good school because schools are funded based on the property tax in that area. Right. So if I live in one neighborhood, we'll use my experience. If I live in Glendale, Salt Lake City, the property value of those homes are, are nothing because it's considered it's considered the ghetto. Sure. In 1933 ish, maybe 37, I don't remember. There were. Um, do you guys know what redlining is? This is where home uh, home banking associations yep. or home loan associations would mark off certain neighborhoods that they would find. Um, Un, 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 unsat basically to yep. give loans out and all of these neighborhoods were usually neighborhoods of generally of color and obviously of poverty right I'm sure it's happened here in Butte you can look at just areas like Walkerville for example yep. very poor areas so if there are schools in these poor areas they're not going to get the funding that a school in a nicer area is going to get so I could live two blocks away from someone who's living a completely different life than me because he lives here where these homes are valued differently. And now he gets to go to a school that's better than my school. My school doesn't have very much funding, yep. so the teachers don't get paid very much. So therefore, you're going to get the bottom toll of, of those people applying for those positions. The education, obviously, isn't going to be as great. Sure. Um, nothing about that school is going to be great. So immediately from childhood, you're going to see a different level of class when it comes to two children five six seven year old kids who live three blocks apart from each other both from salt lake city both from butte both from out los angeles both from the same place but living a completely different experience when it comes to their environment right and this is when you talk about policies that's what makes this what it makes me think of is sure there were policies written back then hey let's avoid these areas right that has affected people today. Yep. That's affected people from getting home loans, right? And living what they believe to be their American dream, yep. right? There was also segregation for colleges, right? So if I'm brown, I can't get into certain colleges. Not today, but back then, right? These are my grandparents and your grandparents sure. living in this time. If I can't buy a home or get approved for a loan, or if I can't go to college, then what what options do I have if that's my interpretation of the American dream. Sure. Right? It's not my interpretation. Okay. Right. Mine is, you know, entrepreneurship and owning a business, et cetera, et cetera. But back then that's what it was for yeah. most Americans. And so there's these systems in place that continue to affect. So we talk about redlining and then we go into segregation of schools, right? And then you can even follow up with the amount of there's countless studies done by universities that will show um the difference in hiring processes and how people are hired differently based on their names, based on just are you handsome, are you ugly, are you a man, are you a woman, do you have darker, do you have a dark beard like Dakota, or do you have a blonde beard, right? Like, like maybe Zach. Zach, you know? <laughs> yeah. I need some tips. <laughs> um, so these are all things that sure. are effects of systemic racism. So a lot of people, when they ask me about racism, I always stop them and say, before we continue this, what is racism to you? What does that word even mean to you? Sure. Some people think it's, oh, it means you hate a certain race. That is not racism. That's bigotry. Yeah. Racism is I have a level of power and I am a bigot and I can control your life and yeah. livelihood based on my bigotry for you. 
to me, racism falls into these systems that were put in place by others, not by us, right? But people do benefit from them today and people suffer from them today. Yeah. I was telling someone the other day who was asking me, um, she was just asking me my opinion on, excuse me, on this whole thing. And she didn't, she, she didn't understand, I guess, my perspective. So I gave her a different perspective. And I said, I said, so-and-so, I won't say her name. I said, so-and-so, as a woman, you have been discriminated against. There have been laws and policies put in place to prevent you from voting, to prevent you from holding positions as a, a certain jobs, right? You are now behind due to these laws that put you behind. Because somebody was a bigot, because they believed you're a woman, you can't do this job. Women barely have been allowed to become infantry in the military. Yeah. And there's a big fuss about that, right? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> there are people who actually believe a woman is disqual should be or not disqualified, that a woman is less qualified to be a president of the United States, right? These are preposterous ideas. Right. But they're very, but they're current in 2020, and they're due to these systematic yeah. systems and policies that were placed prior to us. Right? Yeah, not only generationally, you know, that's what you were taught from what they were taught from what they were taught. So now you believe it, yeah. but also going to that racism point that you made, people, um, some types of people will find out that certain policies benefit them. And so they think, let's keep doing this because if it's going to benefit me, then why stop? Because yeah. that's the problem. Um, you know, we talked about change a while back. Change won't happen unless it affects you, right? Yes. Like with weight loss, you won't start losing weight until you realize, you oh, shoot, something happens. Like, I can't go up it's a flight of stairs. Late. Yeah. And so then that's what makes the change. So that's exactly the same thing. In my life, desperation is what made me change. I was desperate for change due to my unhappiness. And I, so yeah. I always, and I don't like using the word desperation, but, um, I feel for me, I was, I was so desperate to get out of who I was, who I'd become yeah. that I had, I had to make a change. I had to become, not become this person, but reintroduce who I truly am sure. to the world. Right. I think another thing is that, and not to, segregate us in a way to say like as Christians, but there's a motive if you're not a Christian that you're only out to live this world to look out for you mm -hmm. and your family. Christians have it kind of different where it's our in our belief system that we are to show everyone love and like, and almost provide that way. Like we all have the same right to go to heaven. We all have the right to know Jesus and, and stuff like that. And so it's weird, but like if you look at the foster care system, like who are the people that are adopting children? Who are the people going out of the way to do, like invite someone into their home? It's a Christian. But so we have um, these companies, like you said, uh, uh, peace officers, who like don't have that same mindset. To them, it's still look after my own. And it's almost unhealthy. Yeah. And unfortunately. To be, and, and to be fair, and this is just. Um again, me speaking from experience sure. from the agency that I worked in and what I saw them do to my fellow police officers yeah. and, and to myself. But 
I don't know if this is happening in other agencies. So that's that again, I'm not trying to generalize, but I've heard similarities from other cops and from other companies, whether it's I work for the power company or I work for Walmart. It sounds like a corporate thing. And that is that we will make you fear the loss of your job can happen at yep. any moment. You can be replaced at any moment. Yep. We do not take any ideas you have at all. And you're lucky to be here. Yeah. If you put that in somebody's head as an employee of any position, then that's going to completely affect the outcome, especially mm-hmm. if the outcome that you seek is service. That's not looking for an outcome of service. That's looking for an outcome of obedience from your employees. Yeah. And in my experience, that started to, that, that grossly affected the agency I worked for. And if you're afraid to lose your job, yeah. then yeah, you're going to think of policy, 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 mm-hmm. not is this right? Yeah. Is this right? Is that, that does sucks. this person need someone right now? Sure. So here would be a, a maybe a closing question to this part of the of this, uh, the podcast is what is the balance of justice? Sure. What is the defining attributes of the overall term of justice? Yeah. You know, we talk about peace, we talk about safety, we talk about protection, we talk about love. Yet there is this law to upkeep yeah. in order to have peace. You know, and that's maybe speaking from a peace officer. You know, but in a general overall term, you could talk even about about sin and redemption and yeah. heaven and hell and uh, justice in that, you know, the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. There's <laughs> still the same God. Yeah. But, you know, you could have the Old Testament be the tyrant father, you know, and then... The, the peaceful uncle of Jesus, <laughs> you know, you could kind of <laughs> put that persona on there. But overall, what is the idea and defining attribute of justice? I guess I kind of have a follow-up question. <clears throat> is it even possible with all the corruption in the world? Like, I honestly don't think it is. I think people are too influenced to benefit their own person that unless you have a higher motive, like a Christian or someone who finally has like an epiphany that other people matter, that I don't know if it will ever change, honestly, which is really dark and unfortunate. But that's why we have the hope as Christians to look forward to heaven, a place where like there is this perfect, perfectly balanced justice in heaven. But there's no like, like there's no, uh, Assume guilty until proven innocent, you know. And Would you agree with that, Bogey? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes and no. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with him in any way. So I'm please, please feel free to. Yeah. Though. No. I de- <laughs> well, no, I definitely don't. Um, I just, I think also, you know, and may, maybe you're right. Maybe it should be someone who has a broader spectrum of love in the universe and and um, um their own personal experiences such as like you mentioned somebody who has christian faith sure. it could also be someone of any faith yeah as, as long honestly. as love and acceptance is, is their end result i think i agree with you when it comes to when, when you said no i don't think there's a, a way to fix it I, you don't word it that way but i i, agree. <laughs> I agreed in my head yeah he's right there's not but then i thought but that's because my ideas seems so out of reach and they're sure. so simple that it's it, it's unfortunate you know last night i was speaking to my best friend 
who um, is a police officer still in Salt Lake City. He's a supervisor. He's a former sex crimes investigator. And wow. he's also a black man. And he was talking to me about how he's trying to create a sort of a community-oriented uh, policing where we can, where they, I'm sorry, their agency can bring in people from different groups that are having these issues with police and create a dialogue. He says, why aren't we sitting down with people from the Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter? Why aren't we sitting down with people sure. who are right-wing conservative in Salt Lake City? Why aren't we sitting down with all of these groups of people and answering their questions about police? And not just doing it as, as a front, right? As a, sure. as a, oh, we want to look like we're getting involved with the people. But we're actually listening to what you guys are saying. And he's from the community as well. He understands that as well. So he has a vested interest. So I feel that that's one of the steps that should be taken. But I understand. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. I acknowledge how certain small government entities try to avoid those because yeah. they feel it makes them look like they're admitting some kind of guilt. And the reason why that's so important is because. You know, going back to what I said, I would I, I go on a call and I'm from this neighborhood and nobody else is from this neighborhood. Right. Um, if you live in a poor neighborhood, OK, no matter what your skin color is, there's poor neighborhoods here. Just I'll use Walkerville as the example again. Right. Sure. It's it's considered a poor neighborhood. There are going to be more police there because it's poor. When it's poor, people are more desperate. The fact that there's more police presence means there will be more people arrested in this neighborhood. Sure. Okay. More people being arrested in this neighborhood means there will be more people incarcerated from this demographic. But the problem doesn't lie immediately with just police response, right? Yeah. Because you do get police who are from neighborhoods who are actually aren't even from these neighborhoods who go in there with love and kindness, right? Yeah. It's a small percentage, but you do get some that go in there and want to help people want to learn about people's cultures. But if I live on the west side of Salt Lake City and I get arrested as a young a young man or a teenager, everybody from that moment, from the police officer through the entire justice system that I'm going to experience, there is a very rare case where I will come across a person that is like me. The police officer isn't from my neighborhood. The probation officers, the corrections officers, the prosecutors, the attorneys, the yeah. judge, right? All of these people are from other kingdoms that mm. traveled in yeah. to tell me about my life and my experiences. Sure. Whereas part of our mission for service from my family was to get in these positions where we can make positive influences, where I can say to somebody, I know I know what you mean. I went to that school. Yeah. I used to wait at that bus stop. I've been shot at right here. I sure. know. I've seen dead bodies in this river. Yeah. Right? Not somebody who has zero experience and makes fun of your culture. Yeah. Right? And so if we have a system that's not, if the system isn't based on love and care for this person, then you cannot protect that which you do not love. Yeah. You can't. And as police officers, we cannot say that our lives are more important. We can't be pushing the whole narrative of I'm going to go home at night. That's, yeah. that's the wrong narrative to have. That, makes you, that, that is putting a narrative of we're us versus them. Right. If I feel my life is more valuable than Zach's, how can I protect you? Right. 
how can I protect you, right? right? I can protect you to a point. If Dakota's trying to harm you and I care about you, it's a little bit different. If I'm doing it for a job, I'm only going to protect you to a certain part. And then if my safety becomes jeopardized now, I got to go mm-hmm. because I care about me more than you. So yeah. the narrative of we got to, I'm going home no matter what is misinterpreted probably by me. Yeah. But it's definitely misinterpreted by others. And we need to look at, this is my final message as far as being a cop. <laughs> yeah. We need to look at every person you make contact with. I shouldn't say we because I'm not a cop anymore. But we should do this as all humans, but sure. especially in law enforcement. Every call you go on, you have to look at that person as someone you love from your family. Even if it's someone being violent. Yeah. What if this was my cousin going through the worst moment of his life? What would I do to intervene? Right. Now, if this person is actively violently harming and killing people or harming them, then yes, you have a just a moral obligation and duty and responsibility to stop that person. Right. Right. But we shouldn't be losing the life of a citizen over misdemeanors, not even felonies. Yeah. Agreed. Right? The, loss, the loss of a misdemeanor is so low compared to the loss of a human life. And when a police officer, through fear and ignorance, uses force on someone that is unnecessary because it, it must be reasonable and necessary to affect the arrest. That's the, that's the verbiage right there. Right. What is reasonable and necessary to affect the arrest. And I think of Zach all the time. If Zach was a cop, he don't <laughs> need to do much to keep you down. Right. Maybe, sh- maybe cops should be trained. They absolutely way. need to have at least a year of jujitsu. Now, <laughs> now in my opinion, right. Imperial BJJ. Yep. We have a hero's program. Discounted rates. <laughs> You're most welcome. Oh, but Bogey, I would say, do you love chicken wings but are tired of the same old mediocre standard of wing sauce? Step up your wing game with Wingredient. From 11 different flavors to choose from, their award-winning wing sauce mix is sure to delight your taste buds. It can be used on everything from wings to sushi and is customizable to your palate. With every purchase made in the next 30 days, Wingredient is donating $5 to Convoy of Hope. Support this great cause and get some amazing wing sauce while you're at it. Order today for your party at home or your restaurant. Experience what everyone is raving about. Wingredient.com. Award-winning sauce and rub for wings and grub. You know, there's a lot of takeaways that we've talked about and we could continue to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. But I think a, a, an overstatement, you know, kind of a generalization is, and I would, and this is almost my opinion as well, but I think this is true, is that justice is possible Yeah. because... God is the example of it. Yeah. And justice happens when people are put first. Sure. And when we love people. Yes. And relate to people and don't put our, don't put ourselves above them because that's all racism is. That's yeah. all racism is. Bullying the uh, the employer and employee, mm-hmm. you yes. know, any of that is is I'm better than you. That's yeah. all the that's that and is a statement that defines fear. all of that. And it's fear. I think it's yeah. fear also and the putting unknown. Fear, sure. And so I believe that that justice is only possible with truth. Yeah. You know, you can't have one or the other. You know, truth defines justice, justice and truth. They go hand in hand. You can't have one True. without the other. And that is the whole message of the cross. Yeah. That is the whole message of the Bible. That is the whole redemption story. That is the humanity and God intangible and tangible meeting in the human soul happens because there's a price that needs to be paid for us not living up to the standard that God demands. Right. 
and that price has been paid. There is justice for your wrongdoing. That is why, why Jesus came. That is the hope and the missing puzzle piece in our lives. If you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, it's found in God. Yeah. If you are missing and feel isolated, your answer is in a relationship with Jesus. And that is free of charge. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't cost you anything but your old self. You know, you talked about refinding who you are and reevaluating your life at one point, which we should do all the time. But there is a turning point in everybody's life where you hit rock bottom, you find that desperation, where change comes. Yeah. And we talked and we've talked about this before that change is only possible when the pain of change, That's you know, cuz change yeah. is painful, yeah. but change is only possible when the pain of change is less than the pain you're in right now. Right. You know. So in all of that, justice is possible because justice is God. And if we could live that way, that's where, that's where it comes, you know, living in obedience to what scripture says, that's a whole different story. And we live in a fallen world where people have rejected God and been isolated and, and almost like a blinder, you know, there's, it's, it's from one thing to the next, the next, the next, the next, and nobody evaluates themselves or is, is open to what God has for them. And that's a general statement as well, but I do feel like that's a general truth is distraction. And that's because see, there's so much more than what, what we see. It's that spiritual battle, you know, and, and, and the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you from hearing truth. Yeah. So with that whole idea and summarizing kind of our conversation is hope is found in the cross and in who Jesus is and it's free of charge. And so hopefully that you have taken something from that today from this discussion. Yeah. And so with that bogey, this is probably the most important segment of the show. <laughs> what would be your walkout song? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and his name is John C. Well, again, I don't, I don't ever plan on fighting. I've had the idea of maybe doing one of these uh, smokers one day, like a boxing match. But honestly, I don't think I can't take a hit. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me but, give um, you a scenario to kind of spark. Yeah, if I were, well, let's let's say they started doing walkout songs for jujitsu tournaments, which would be they, awesome. They do at the high level, right? Mm-hmm. Like the EBI do they really? Level. Yeah. So if oh, I ever got gosh. like to that level and I did come out to a song, then um, it would be uh, Tupac, obviously. Yes. You know, rest in peace. That's why I'm wearing a shirt today. Yeah, dude, you're repping. Um, Ambitions as a writer by Tupac, there and that go. would be paying homage to not only Tupac. Um, my opinion the greatest hip-hop artist ever and also i consider a civil rights um leader as well even even beyond his uh his uh problems he may have had right but i'm paying homage to that when mike tyson came out to that song oh wow mike tyson came out to that and that's one of the most memorable walkouts um to a mike tyson fan so i'd be you know in opinion paying homage to both but i'd say uh, (laughs) yeah it would definitely have to be that one Remember, if you have a song you'd like to hear or have a song or custom beat you've made, please send it to us and give us permission to play it. You may find it featured as our walkout song oh, of the snap. week. <laughs> Get on it, beat makers. That's what's going on around the country. Here's what's happening. 
<laughs> your neck of the woods fusion fight league returns to the majestic valley arena in kalispell on june 27th at 7 p.m mountain standard time they are hosting a full card with both the main and co-main events featuring fighters from lv las vegas ah. <laughs> um june 27th all right this event has been approved by all authorities and will comply with all of montana's phase two social distancing guidelines if you're concerned about that and tickets are on sale on their facebook page there's also a live stream pay-per-view available at fire tv fight fight tv fight tv they spelled fight wrong <laughs> that's, my, a, that's that's me a, i wrote that it's a show for firemen so just get on there <laughs> oh, i was thinking fire uh, TV. i was thinking like fire tv bro like amazon stick i don't know yeah so again that's fight f-i-t-e <laughs> dot tv oh they missed me yeah that's weird that's actually my uh my family's maiden name fight yeah f-i-t-e that's cool my, so my middle name's ori goes back to the great Aurelius fight, like my great 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 grandfather. Really? Yeah, that's that's a like fighter name right there. There you go, Aurelius. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus Micah six eight, the Lord has told you what is good, and that is what He requires of you: to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I thought that was a great verse to share. Just as what is what is our takeaway? What is our responsibility? Sure, is to do what is right, to love mercy, walk humbly with the Lord. Yeah, and may that define who we are as yeah. people. And we also have a bonus, Dakota. A oh, bonus snap. verse of the week. Isaiah forty-one thirteen says, "I, the Lord your God, say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you." And that just shows as well the the intimacy that God desires. Yeah. And it's so much more than a god in the sky with a lightning bolt ready to snap bogey if he does something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, and what's cool is is he's here for everyone. The people yeah. who feel that they've been served unjustly and that their voices aren't heard. He's here with police officers trying to do the right thing. He's here with all of us in the middle. And for anybody who is just overwhelmed with the negativity in the world. Yeah. You know, from from everything that's happening. You know, it's it's nothing new, but... I will say things continue to compound, Yeah, you know, with negativity, with whatever. And people and the media are thriving off of it because people are like, oh, what else is happening? And, you know, it's, it's easy to just get lost in that. God is there to help you. Also, we are here to help you. Yeah. I, I know Bogey is completely open. Dakota, myself, um, in the digital space. You know, we don't want to hate on di- the, the digital world because all of us use it for our businesses. And, yeah. you know, it's like the lifeblood of a lot of what we do with connecting to people. Right. And I believe that comes back to stewarding and using social media rather than social media using you. But in a all balance. Of, in a balance. There's a balance. <laughs> but with that in mind is we are here, tflministries.com or... Uh, what, do you have a website or how, how people can get a hold of you, Bogey? Yeah, check me out, keepitrealcrossfit.com or uh, at keepitrealcrossfit on Instagram, keepitrealcrossfit on Facebook, or Bogey J. Valdez on Facebook. There you go. In closing, would you have a book that you would recommend? When you look into it, you got to look into it. Look oh, into it. I've been when looking you look into, into it. it. I have so many. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, like you know, I mentioned my father's book. No One Makes It Alone by Andrew Valdez. Obviously, that's because it's my father, and that's the story of 
the full circle of, yeah, that's of cool. service to others that's and, way cool. and how it, it returns, right? Um, my favorite books off the top of my head is I really like one that is called, um, it's by Johan Hari and it's about uh, depression. I can't remember. Oh, it's called um, Lost Connections and it talks about uh, basically where depression stems from um, huh. in, in people and really it comes down to the fact that we don't, we lack connections with others and that can create depression. Even people who live oh. in big cities who come across thousands of people a day feel very lonely because they lack that connection. So he talks about that a lot in that book and I really enjoy it because it's not only given me a perspective about um, how I feel, why I feel certain ways, sure. certain days and things that I should focus on when I do feel these ways, but it's also given me a very good perspective on how to have conversations with people, how to listen more, even though I've been talking most of the time today, <laughs> how, to, how to understand that this person is going yeah. through their own environment that That's may cool. not be like mine. And, and that's okay that you talked because you taught us to listen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say, you know, uh, well, I'm, unless you're adding, okay. Yeah. I just want to say, um, you know, when it has to do with what you were saying, um, God is the answer. Love is the answer. Yeah. No matter what we've said today, no matter what I've said, again, these are stories I've told. These right. aren't, this guy came in and had this opinion because of the Facebook pages he followed. These are stories of things that have actually happened. These are, sure, these are genuine. This is history, American history and stories of bogey. Yeah. And the answer is still love, no yeah. matter what. If I take the approach I said as a police officer to love everyone I come in contact with, even at the expense of my safety, right, that will result in a better outcome. If I yeah. approach love with somebody who disagrees with my beliefs or thinks a certain way that I think is absurd. If I approach that person with love, maybe we'll be able to listen to each other and realize, oh, he's not crazy. He doesn't actually believe in this craziness that I thought. This person actually <laughs> believes in what I believe, right? Sure. Love is the answer. Yeah. And love is universal. Love is forever. We love people who have died. People yeah. who have died love us. You can feel it right now. Love is the one thing that I know for a fact is eternal. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So is God. It's true. It's good. But God and love to me are, it has to be the same thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, Bo, we really appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Yeah. yeah it was a pleasure. Grateful. Yeah. I'm really grateful. And thank you for sharing your experiences. And I know some of that, you know, I know you've dealt with a lot of it, but some yeah. things like that are painful to share, you know, and experiences. And I'm sure you've seen things that, you know, is, are even difficult to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so we want to say a special thank you to you, also a, a Marine veteran and just a, a, a great man. Um, and God is doing great things in you and through you. And so continue to walk that path. And we want to say a special thank you to any law enforcement uh, who may be listening to this. We stand with you. Continue to do what your not only job is, but the call of peace yeah. In yes. your life. And so continue to fight the good fight. Yeah. And with that, that is it for this episode. Thank you to our sponsors and cornermen for making this show possible. Be sure to stay up to date on all things TFL by following us on all social platforms. And we will catch you next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got me.
Thank you so much for listening to season two of Cross Choke. It was a blast creating this episode, and we hope you enjoyed listening. Submit any fun questions, inquisitive comments, serious requests, or hilarious stories to tflministries.com slash podcast. Feel free to follow Zach at Andobute and myself at South Friday. Have an amazing day and join us next time on Cross Choke. Award-winning, award-winning sauce. Oh my goodness! Award, <laughs> award-winning, award-winning wing, Dude, wing, there's a lot of wow, <laughs> Award-winning sauce and rub for. Dang it! I almost had this one. I've I've reset this like three times. Right, this last part. <laughs> It'd be way better if they said award-winging. Yeah, because that's what I felt like. That's what, what I felt like. You say that too. I felt like you. Your brain wanted you to say that. that. Award-winging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let me see that. Award winging sauce and <laughs> just wing it. There you go. They should use that for catchphrase. Just wing it. Yeah. Award-winging <laughs> sauce. Just wing it. Who puts wing sauce on their sushi? Come on. That's Is good. it that good? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, I've had funny. it.